Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Good evening, Steeler fans. Welcome to another Wednesday night here on BTSC Radio. Every Wednesday night, we come in here, talk about the Steelers' upcoming opponent here on Know Your Enemy. Uh, This week's the bye week, so we're talking about the Steelers, who are indeed their own worst enemy right now. Uh, I'm, as always, Jeffrey Benedict, here hosting the show with me, Shannon White. Shannon, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great and ready to get going. (laughs) <laughs> we got some people in the chat saying we got a five-yard penalty for starting for delay a game. Uh, we're getting a little started a little late tonight, but that's okay. Worth waiting for our guest tonight to tell us about everything Steelers, Nick Farabaugh. Nick, how you doing? I'm, I'm doing so well, guys, and I appreciate you having me on. It's always a blast to be on. Talking Steelers, so much going on, and the mess, the rampage i don't know what you want to call it man it's a crazy crazy time of year in pittsburgh right now isn't it yeah it's unprecedented like i know we've been two and six ten years ago it happened but like it wasn't like this it didn't feel like this it wasn't this bad i want to ask you is this the steelers worst start of a season that you can remember oh yeah they look i mean some of these games they look downright uncompetitive um Mm -hmm. now we've seen games where they have been the miami game sticks out is probably one of their best games if they get one of those picks they probably win that game to be quite honest with you um they did beat the Bengals. they're flawed but they did win that game but man they're just so far away from the eagles and the bills and i don't think we are familiar seeing the steelers that far away from the pack It, it really is kind of startling even the last two years where you know, the offense has struggled and, and the defense has been up and down at times. Pittsburgh has always been competitive. And I think this team can be if they're fully healthy, but it has been the worst start. And Mike Tomlin's tenure, it might be the worst start of the 
the millennium, <laughs> honestly. Um, or so, so like, like when you look at it, what's the last team that really came out this flat for the Steelers? It's been a while. It's it's been a long, long time. Well, we had uh, the Super Bowl hangover in two thousand and six, but to me, it goes back. The question goes back to two thousand and three. Would you take this team? Or the 2003 Steelers, if they played each other. Back with Tommy Maddox and, you know, that team where Troy Polamalu's on the bench. Yeah. I mean, that's a team that had – it did have Jerome Bettis and Heinz Ward and Plexico Burris. It's it's a very flawed team, too, though. I mean, you still have, though, you have Alan Fanica up there. Yep. um, That is – obviously just great um but but you also had jerome banged up that year not fully healthy so he had a down year interesting parallel there with a certain running back that might be (laughs) having that going on with him right now and i mean the defense was kind of very similar too right you look at some of of the guys on that defense i think you had what hampton smith uh gilden i think was there that's farriers i believe first year with the steelers yeah that's his first season yep um, I mean, you have kind of some pieces there, but it wasn't really a cohesive unit. And the secondary was pretty bad that year. And I, I think that's also the thing. So a I lot of parallels. Alexander. Yeah, it's like it's like a lot of parallels, right? A struggling secondary, a pretty mediocre quarterback play, um, a banged up running back, a bad offensive line. A lot, lot of things. And that defense, you know, got banged up too. Um, yeah. So. I think they, they didn't lose someone like a TJ Watt, but but they weren't exactly healthy that year either. Yeah. To me, there's no comparison. This is the worst Steeler team. Uh, I'm older than both of you guys. And uh, honestly, the 2003 team were the victim of circumstances. They had mm-hmm. talent. They had future Hall of Famers. That, you, know, it, you know, it was just a confluence of events that led to that season. This year, it's just – if you look at the, the this year's Steelers team, their foundation is just not there. They've they went flash instead of substance too many times in the draft. Uh, they've tried to patch holes instead of actually building a firm foundation, and it's all catching up. And I don't see any uh, – anywhere along the board that they're better than that team, maybe what. Uh, you know, TJ Watt, of course, is just the, one of the all-time greats. But uh, but the, the offensive side of the ball is just – it's hard to watch. And I know it is for all of us. And and then the Steelers yesterday go and, and they trade, you know, one of the, the few weapons they had in Chase Claypool. Now, at the beginning of, of the preseason, we all talked that I really thought that if they could get him, you know, in the slot and – you know, get him the ball on the move in the middle of the field and let him because you know that's his thing is yards after catch. And Claypool, you know, he showed the you know one time there against the Eagles. Um, when he catches that ball, he's hard to tackle and he runs really hard. So I think if he's used correctly, that brings us back to Matt Canada. How does that man still have a job? <laughs> I'm gonna ask you that. Yeah. What what am I missing? How does that man still have a job today? Yeah, it's a good question. I actually think the 
the right comparison to the for Steelers teams is 1988, um, where you have Bubby Brister mm-hmm. kind of right there. I, that was a pretty lifeless Steelers team, too. Um, Rod Woodson was like the, the star of that defense, too. And he kind of just carried that defense, but it, it, it wasn't a particularly good offense um, outside of the receivers, which is kind of what they're like right now. Um, but I, when you look at like Matt Canada, right? I think Matt Canada has a job for two reasons. One, I don't think they want Kenny Pickett to have to worry about learning a system or a rhythm with a new offensive coordinator. I just, I think that's a huge part of it. I really do. Um, I think this season has turned from trying to win to let's see what we have in number eight. And I think he is the main focal point. And if he's the main focal point, having him in his rookie season where I think you kind of already botched his handling. Why did you throw mm-hmm. him in mm-hmm. to a random halftime game? Give him the full week. Like, if you wanted to start him, you should have taken the 10 days and started him then. Um, or, I, I like, there were four options for me with Kenny Pickett. You start him week one, you take the 10 days and start him at the Jets, you start him after the bye week, or you don't play him at all. And that's obviously barring Mitch Trubisky getting hurt. Um, like, that were, you, you had to prepare Kenny Pickett because a rookie quarterback is so fragile. <laughs> Even a pro-ready 24-year-old is fragile. And so they've messed it up so much already that I think they have to put a stability around Kenny Pickett. Even if that stability, that foundation that Matt Kennedy brings isn't good, you still have to let him kind of learn the game first, right? Um, and, and Matt Canada's system isn't super complicated. It's super simple. And he's still missing some reads on it too. Like, I think you got to let the kids settle in. I, I think you have to. And then next off season, then you get rid of Canada. Um, I, I think that's kind of the Mike Tomlin idea. Now I can see the argument for firing him. I just don't think that there's also, I, I'll say this, who else on the coaching staff do you want to call plays? Like Mike Sullivan isn't a glowing candidate. He was awful too in his last stop. Now, if they had like a young guy on the staff that they really wanted to see to, to call plays, I think that's when they would have pulled the trigger. If they had a guy on the staff where they were like, okay, we want to see this guy call plays. I don't think they have that guy. So really all you would be doing is throwing Kenny Pickett off the deep end. And again, I don't actually think it gets much better if you fire Matt Canada. Like, I don't think Matt's Mike Sullivan's a very good offensive coordinator. Now, maybe the argument would be Mike Tomlin calls the plays, and maybe that would be the suitable answer. But I kind of think they made their bed by bringing Canada back, and they kind of got to ride with it now because they've botched Kenny Pickett's handling. And you got to give that stability for him. He's got to figure out his bearings. He's got to figure out what throws he can make. He's got to figure out how to manage an NFL pocket. He's got to figure out how to read defenses out of different disguises, call different audibles, just basic stuff at a quarterback Mm. level in the NFL. So I think that's what they're doing here. They're they're kind of just giving him basic standings because they made their bed. They made mistakes along the way, and firing Canada isn't actually the me going to make a massive tangible difference. I don't think they're going to start scoring 28 points with Mike Sullivan at the helm. I'll say that. Is Matt Canada the biggest problem with this offense? Yes. Is Mike Sullivan even better than Matt Canada? Honestly, I'm not even sure if he is. And there's no one else on the staff that, you know, you would turn the reins over to and actually want to see call plays. One thing I really want to say real quick, I'm not even talking about the points. 
I'm talking about one of 12 on third down. One of 12. And and the limited route, route tree for Pickens, now he's going to take over for Claypool. And is he going to, you know, he's is he going to run some slants? Is he going to work the middle of the field? Because they haven't used him that way at all so far. But I'm just saying you got to start somewhere. And I don't see Canada being the answer. Uh, we're seeing Pickett miss some reads that he would have, I think he would have hit the first couple of games he started because he got hit 17 times in, against the Eagles. I mean, he was getting blowed up. And they wasn't all little shots. Even when he was throwing the ball, he was getting hit right after big shots. That will make a guy gunshot. That will make him, you know, try to run out of that pocket too quick. Um, it's just human nature. Like, oh, my God. You know, and he, he tried to bail a few times. They got to start somewhere. They got to start small. We're going to see the same thing every week all season. And I think that the, the quickest, easiest way would be to, you know, put Warren in there and see if he can spark. And a guy who's more decisive and hits the hole quicker can help a offensive line is that is the worst in the league and trying to run block. And that might help them to have some favorable third, you know, in short, where they can start converting a little bit. I, 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 that's all I'm saying. It's just if you change nothing, nothing's going to change. Yeah, I, I do agree that you need to change stuff. Um, I just don't think that even Mike Sullivan changes much because um, he would be the play caller. There's no doubt about it. Mike Sullivan would be the play caller because um, you're not changing the scheme. You, you know what I mean? The Canada scheme itself is bad. And, but you can't make Kenny Pickett learn a scheme in one week. Um, it, it's just not going to happen. So really the right move should have been to not bring Matt Canada back this year mm. there were signs of this last year everyone knew coming into this year matt Cano wasn't good like we knew that um there was enough signs of that to know that matt Cano wasn't the answer um and, and so to me that was their biggest issue and then you kind of botch kenny pickett's handling and throw him in cold turkey into the gauntlet of your schedule against probably the best defensive lines you're going to face all year um, really, I mean, you, you face the Bills, the Eagles, the Buccaneers in that stretch. I mean, it, it is a rough going of things for Kenny Pickett. And so you put him into a bad situation because this is not a good situation for a rookie either. They can't run the ball. They really can't pass protect. The only thing that you really have with Kenny Pickett is that he has decent weapons. He has Fryermuth, He has Deontay. He has Pickens. Um, but Najee hasn't been healthy. He's not been playing well. And, and so you can't run the ball to take any pressure off Kenny. And the schematics aren't helping at all. Um, and, and even a well-coached type of team with this scheme is going to have a very severe limit. And again, Mike Sullivan really isn't good. I just, I just, I, I can't stress that enough. He, he's just not good. Um, and, and so there's not going to be a super tangible difference as a result they made their mistake bringing Matt Canada back that is the key to this Matt Canada coming back was the issue and now Ken Pickett's first year is going to be very similar to Trevor Lawrence's first year where he was with Urban Meyer and and then he gets canned and then mm-hmm. he's got this rotating cast of play callers where what are you going to take away from a rookie year what are you going to take away from his rookie year yeah not all that much mm-hmm. because it's been mismanaged yeah, I mean, Trevor Lawrence is basically a rookie now. Like, this is his real rookie season. Uh, I, I agree with you there. 
the okay so Kenny Pickett to me looked worse this game I'm looking at the plays he's missed I'm looking at the reads he's looking he looks actually worse than he looked when he first came in now you you've been covering him longer than I have you you're more familiar with Pitt and his days there than I am uh is this a problem Kenny Pickett has had in the past or is this a player who is seeing ghosts who's who's kind of uh, like Shannon was saying, being impacted by like the situation. Uh, I, I've likened it to the Browns, how we used to say the Browns ruin quarterbacks. Like, it doesn't matter who they take. They're going to ruin the quarterback they get. Is the Steelers team kind of, at least temporarily, that situation right now where maybe it might be better for Kenny to not be in there right now just because he's not learning anything useful. He's just learning how to try and survive You know, each play. Yeah, he's never been a guy that – I think there was a misconception that Kenny was this super sharp processor. Um, he really wasn't. He won in college through athleticism out of structure and arm talent. That's the thing. And he lacks a superstar trait, and that is something that I think we saw in the Miami game the most. When he had to make the big boy throws, they were picked off, couldn't make the play, and – Kenny Pickett is a phenomenal quarterback through eh, 85 to 90% of the game. And then you get to the big moments and he just crumbles. I don't know what it is about Kenny Pickett that has been consistent uh, over his pit career. And I think I'm seeing it in his NFL career too. And when you look at Philadelphia overall, it was just a mess. I mean, the reads he was missing were basic, just High school reads, I mean, some of these that he missed. Steven Sims up the seam was a big one that he missed. Um, He missed Claypool on an out route that was open. He missed so many players. It was absurd. And and you could tell Kenny wasn't comfortable. You could tell that he wasn't seeing the field well. And then there's his pocket management where he's flying out of clean pockets and running into pressure. He's He caused – I know the offensive line is credited with 23 pressures – Pickett could be argued to have caused at least half of them. I mean, legitimately, he ran into pressure so much in that game. And so, yeah, Kenny Pickett, this is not his usual self. Now, I don't, again, I don't think he's like the super sharp processor or I don't think he's his great pocket manager. I think those were two of his biggest weaknesses. But I thought he got sharper in his senior year. Uh, I thought that. He kind of learned what he could do and, and what he had in his arsenal. And so that, to me, is a is a situation that's hurting a, a rookie quarterback because he's just not – he's not doing anything well right now, right? You have a guy that's super accurate that can win out of structure that's athletic enough to make things happen. Well, build the offense around him. Run some RPOs. Um, get him – on the move more with dynamic concepts. I'm not talking about the sprint out with the five-yard curl. I'm talking give him legitimate options to win with. I think that's the biggest thing about the Mancana scheme is I don't think it gives the quarterback legitimate outlets for each call. If there is a – it doesn't give them legitimate answers to looks that's, to certain looks that defenses will give them. And so I think that's a huge issue, especially when you have a rookie. You want to make the rookie – not have to earn everything, right? You want to make it easy on them. Um, but they're making it really hard on Kenny Pickett. And so, yeah, I just think, yeah, he has issues. And, and yeah, there, there are definitely things to be worried about with Kenny Pickett, but he's not this guy. 
he's not this bad. Let's be real about that. This is a situation that is extremely harmful right now to Kenny Pickett. And you hope that they can reset something here in the bye week to get him back on the rails. So you know what you have. Because, listen, if they're bad enough, and it's a legitimate conversation to start having, they're bad enough. If they have the fourth overall pick, you have to – you have to talk about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young at that point. You have to. Yeah. You have to. But if you don't know what Kenny Pickett actually is because the situation is so bad for him, well, you're kind of in a conundrum. And so you got to learn what you got in Kenny. And, and right now, I don't think they're learning anything about their quarterback. Okay. We're going to take a real quick break here for a commercial. Uh, if you're on YouTube, just stick with us. If you're listening, we'll be right back after this commercial break with more from Know Your Enemy. And we're back. Uh, Vic Faribault, thank you. You've been uh, telling us about Kenny Pickett. We've talked about Matt Canada. I want to get your thoughts real quick on the Chase Claypool trade. Uh, just to start off with it, do you do you think the Steelers got good return on this trade? Great return. I didn't think they were getting a second. And I didn't think they were getting a potential top 50 pick at that. This is a great pick for the Steelers to get. Um, three top 50 picks, four top 100 picks for a team with this many holes on it. Huge. Now it frees up your ability to draft two offensive linemen, potentially in the top 50 or mm-hmm. two defensive linemen, whatever you want to do, or you can throw in to me. This also allows them to go O line O line, and then actually have the ability to maybe take a luxury pick like an out, like an off ball linebacker, right? if that's kind of what they want to do um, with that third round pick is what I'm specifically saying um, that third round pick now can be a lot of different things. You don't have to make it O-line, O-line, D-line. It can now be O-line, O-line, D-line corner. It can be O-line, O-line, D-line receiver. It can be O-line, O-line, D-line, kind of whatever you want. And I think that's flexibility and that capital is, is so huge for them. And for Claypool, Man, he's a good receiver. Second round pick good? Like that good? I don't think so. And he's been an inconsistent player that, regardless of the situation, has been a roller coaster ride throughout his career. He doesn't really play to his size. He runs a 4-4-2, but is he really that fast when he puts the pads on? He's got good mismatch potential. He's got potential over the middle of the field to win. He can win deep sometimes, but he is so inconsistent. He will give you good games. There is no doubt. He will have games like he did against Tampa Bay where he looks like a million bucks. And then he'll have games where you're wondering what he's doing. I mean, he hurts your team at times. So I think Chase Claypool is a solid wide receiver three. But I would not trade a second-round pick like this, the Bears' second-round pick, which looks like it could definitely be a top-50 pick for him. So a great return for Omar Khan. Oh yeah, that uh, we were all shocked. I, I believe that you know to get that kind of compensation for the production they were getting, it was a no-brainer. Um, I think that the Steelers hitting what we all hope is rock bottom this year—it's way worse than I expected. I knew it was going to be a tough year, but I, not to this degree. But now, you know, I wanted to see him play Pickett. You know, we see him a little different. 
I see certain things about him that makes me think he has potential to be uh, a possible franchise guy uh, in his processing and, and other things. Uh, I think his arm's better than a lot of people want to give him credit for. But, you know, he got thrown in a bad situation. It was a quarterback competition that really wasn't. Tomlin had never went through this situation, and I think it was handled very poorly. Uh, to whereas Pickett didn't really get a lot of reps with the first team at all. And then once the season started, he got none. And then he gets thrown in there, and you see it because there is no chemistry at all. Not only is it a bad game plan, but there's no chemistry between him and his receivers. Something he developed with a lot of his guys for that final fifth year there at Pitt. Um, I'm not seeing a clean pocket. You know, I, I heard you mention that earlier. I I watched Hertz have a really clean pocket. I watched him staying back there and the guy could pat the ball. And, you know, I mean, that's very envious for any quarterback. Uh, I don't see Pickett having that kind of time. I, I mean, there is a, there's a ton of chaos around him, and the interior line gets pushed back. Even when they protect him, they're, they're in his face. So I, I have a little more hope. And I wanted the stewards to figure out, could he be the guy? Well, now it seems that this team is way worse than any of us thought. So it, it's going to be more than one year rebuild. It's going to take another more than one offseason of free agency and a good draft to turn this thing around. So therefore, they have to focus on the foundations. I think we can all agree. And as you said, you know, offensive lineman, offensive lineman, defensive lineman, you know, the defensive lineman is getting old. And the offense needs a stud. They need a generational guy in there. They need some, you look at that Eagles line and then you look at the Steelers line and it ain't even comparison. And I think they've got a couple of components that might be able to move forward in this rebuild, but they got a bunch of guys that ain't going to be there. Um, But the Steelers don't want to be in this position again with the top 10 pick, which is what I think they're going to finish with. Can they really pass on a quarterback, one of the guys maybe you mentioned or, or somebody else, um, if they're there, uh, or will they be doing the same mistake that so many people think they already did when they pick, you know, pick it in the first round this year? It's a tough one. Um, man, we, we truly the answer is you got to see more out of Kenny Pickett. Um, if he keeps playing like he is right now, I think that gives them that flexibility to go get a quarterback if they really want to. What now, if you miss two years in a row? Sure, <laughs> but also I'll say this. Omar Khan and Andy Weidel are a new regime. I know that Khan was under Colbert, but that is Colbert's quarterback pick. That is not Khan's quarterback mm-hmm. pick. And so what if Andy Weidel and Omar Khan go and say, man, we think C.J. Stroud's the guy. We're kind. We like Kenny, but I, we're not sure if he's the guy, but – we, we believe in C.J. Stroud. We believe in Bryce Young. We believe in this guy. Uh, man, it's a tough I asked to, to ask them to pass up on them because I really don't think they're going to have many more opportunities in the top ten. I just don't. Um, when you have Minka Fitzpatrick and T.J. Watt on a defense and you have the money, the cap space, to go out and sign guys like they will have the ability to do, you're going to naturally drag your team upwards because the Steelers still have a have constructed what historically looks like with Andy Weidel at the helm and then the guys under them 
it looks like a good structured scouting staff. Nomar Khan is one of the best cap managers in the NFL. So you feel like they're going to make impact signings. Maybe they make a few moves. So are they actually going to be picking top 10 again? Especially if Pickett, I think this is, is my thing with Kenny Pickett. I think he ends up being a pretty solid starting quarterback. I really do. I just am worried he ends up as one of those quarterbacks where you are in kind of, well, we can win and make the playoffs, but we can't actually make that jump with him. And I think that's always been the fear with Kenny Pickett is naturally with his tools, with his athleticism, with his accuracy, um, with his improved processing, his fifth year at Pitt, you expected that to translate. I think it will translate eventually. Um, I still think he has, has a lot of things to work on there, but I think it's going to improve. He has a high floor, but the ceiling isn't always there. Um, so I don't know. It's a tough question. I think right now I can't see them making that move. I, I think they're going to ride Kenny Pickett through 2023 because I think they're going to acknowledge how awful the situation they threw him into. And so I think that they're going to try and, and see him through 2023 at least um, just to see what they have because I think that he'll be a solid quarterback. I do. And, and so I think they'll be able to win with him. Um, I just – I think if he plays like he has now, I think it does have to be a consideration. I just don't think the Steelers at this time, by my kind of reading of it all, would make that jump. I don't. And I don't think they're necessarily wrong for it. Um, because, listen, you took the guy in the first round for a reason, and he had good tape at Pitt. He's had really good flashes this year still. Through all the bad, there has been a lot of good still with Kenny Pickett. And so I don't think that you make that move yet unless you 100% believe that that guy, whether it's Stroud, Young, I mean, Will Levis has to be in that discussion now, whatever, unless you truly believe that guy is the franchise guy. And by franchise guy, I'm not saying Kirk Cousins, Derek Carr, because that's what Kenny Pickett, I think, can be at his best. I'm talking Mahomes. Allen, Herbert, I'm talking that tier. Yeah, you, you talking about the him there? They made me think of Jimmy Garoppolo and how in San Francisco they're like they've gotten to that point where they're like, okay, we just need the quarterback. We got the offense, you know, a scheme. We got a system. We got talent. We just need a quarterback who can make those transcendent plays and and take us a little farther. And uh, that that's that's where the Steelers are looking. That's where we're going to be with Kenny Pickett is looking and saying, hey. Is he going to be that really good? Is he going to be a quality starter? Is he going to be a really good starter? Is he going to be a guy you can win Super Bowls with? With that, I want to ask you, what what do you think the Steelers can achieve with this bye week? You know, they've got two weeks to sit down with Kenny Pickett. Uh, we've always seen with the Steelers, their, their rookies take on either a bigger role or produce better. After the bye week, that's almost almost every single rookie, almost every single year. Do you think the Steelers, do, do we have hope that Najee is healthier? Do we have hope that the offense makes more sense to Kenny Pickett or fits his talents better? Or maybe the usage of George Pickens becomes better. Do you think we see more uh, two tight end sets and less three wide receivers with Claypool gone? What what are you looking for coming out of this bye week and, and how much improvement you think the Steelers can make? I think the defense is going to be really good in the second half. I actually do. 
Um, getting TJ Watt back is just <laughs> such a solver of problems, man. He's a game wrecker. <laughs> and then Demonte KZ is going to allow you to do so many different things in the secondary. Yeah. Like, their defense has a chance to be a top 10 defense in the second half. I truly believe that. I think it's a good defense. Plus, William Jackson, the third, you have the flyer on him now. The corner room's deeper. So, really, it's what James Pierre's shown. You're five deep a corner. Um, so, that feels good if you're the Steelers. Offensively, this is the biggest area, obviously. Hmm. I think you need to showcase Kenny Pickett's strengths. And that means let's build upon his quick, clean mechanics his accuracy and his ability when he processes well, it's usually the underneath quick stuff. And so basic stuff, let's, let's allow him to, to read a backside dig. You can run dragon, which is a slant flat type of combination run simple stuff. Give Kenny Pickett the ability to make the simple work. And I think that's what they need to do. And that doesn't mean run 10 plays, run the same 10 plays that you run all the time that Matt Canada loves. That means let's build an infrastructure around Kenny Pickett that caters to him. I don't think they have done that well enough yet. And I think that is where you probably don't trust Matt Canada. Well, that's where to me, if I'm Mike Tomlin, I am putting my elbow grease into the offense. I get he's a defensive coach. That's his baby. That's his his passion. I'm trusting Terrell Austin and Brian Flores a little bit more than I'm trusting Matt Canada right now. Um, just, just to be quite honest with you, those guys have tenure. Those guys have proven validity in this league. Um, and those guys have made consistent adjustments throughout the year. You see all the different stuff they've tried defensively. It hasn't all worked, but dang, they've turned over every single stone they could have personnel-wise to try and make up for the loss of TJ Watt. They have. And so I'm trusting those guys. But you need to build an infrastructure around Kenny Pickett. And I think that's what you need to do when you're self-scouting. What are we having success with with Kenny Pickett, which is a lot of RPO stuff, play-action stuff, um, specifically same-sided concepts where he's reading high-low concepts. He has looked really good in those areas. I also think you look at the middle of the field. Let, let's give him... You know, 15-yard curls, let's give him backside digs. Let's give him seams um, that stress these safeties. Let's put the defense on the heels and allow the rookie quarterback to make simple reads. And you know what? He's going to miss reads. He's going to make bad reads. He's going to look bad. Rookie quarterbacks are not supposed to be good. That's why don't. That's why people don't play rookie quarterbacks, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Justin Herbert was unbelievable his rookie year. He has put everybody, I think, out of proportion of what a rookie quarterback should look like. He Josh Allen wasn't good his rookie year. He was awful. I mean, really, don't there very rarely is there good rookie quarterbacks. And so Kenny Pickett is going to struggle and you're going to have to let him struggle, but build it to his strengths. Allow him to get on the move and allow him to read up levels, run flood concepts. Don't run just a five yard drag route, right? Or, or the, the flat throw where all Kenny Pickett does is essentially shovel pass it. Um, give him an option up top. Give him an option at the sticks. Give him three levels to read. These are simple things that you can do and that Kenny Pickett will be able to do because he's great throwing off platform and he's very accurate. And he's got great mechanics. So to me, you just got to build that infrastructure. 
I don't know if they're going to be a great running team. I'm still not quite sure if Najee Harris is actually good. Um, I think that they can use Pat Fryermuth more in different ways over the middle of the field to be the security blanket. I think you can get Steven Sims involved more. I I know a lot of people hate the jet sweep stuff, but they've actually run pretty well on jet sweeps yeah. this year. And I feel like at times they don't use it enough. And it's not a viable threat because they run it maybe two times a game. And Seaman Sims, I think, is actually a really fun add to the offense because he is shifty and, and different things. So mm-hmm. I'd like to see him kind of in there a little bit more. I'd like to see two tight end sets because I like the personnel matchups. You can kind of create with Pat Frymuth when Zach Gentry's in there. And Gentry isn't super dynamic, but he's a sure-handed target that can win at two different levels and win up the seams. So you have the ability to work things there. So I think there's different things you can do to build an infrastructure on Kenny Pickett. Just play to his strengths. That's what they need to do. You're not asking to overhaul the scheme. You're asking him to make the offense conform to the quarterback, not make the quarterback conform to the offense, which is what they've done this fall. Yeah, NFL offense, the best offensive coordinators are constantly evolving. Uh, not just week to week, game to game, uh, half to half. I mean, they do something in the first half to set up something in the second half. And they scheme guys open, and, and you see it. And when you watch it, and then you watch the Steelers, and it looks totally different. And, you know, everything you're saying – I agree with. I just don't see Canada being capable of doing that. You know, he he come in with the system and he's like, okay, I don't have the talent to run my system. And everybody bought into it. You know, Tomlin talked about quarterback mobility, quarterback mobility. And so they went out and got some guys that would supposedly fit his system better and it still don't work and it looks exactly the same. And those 10 to 12 plays that you're talking about, everybody knows them. And, you know, you watch the Chiefs and they run a play there in the first half against the Bills, and it set up a successful play in the second half. And I was just like, wow. I mean, I didn't even know if that was legal to do that because it's been so long since we've seen the Steelers do that. You know, you're talking about Sims. Uh, it's getting some guys in there that can give them some more splash plays, more elusive, can run with the ball, something Deontay Johnson cannot. And, again, I bring up Jalen Warren because – Whatever's going on with Harris, if it's injury-related, if he's just a bad fit for this offense, he's not effective. And I, and I like the guy, and I don't want to, you know, give up on him, or but, but he might need to, to be on the sidelines a little more and, and maybe take an example from Jalen Warren, the way he explosively and aggressively and decisively hits the hole. Sometimes it's only a three-yard run or a four-yard run, but you just got to take it. And you get a couple of them, and you got third and short. You know, uh, uh, but the the dancing and the we all seen the replay of the you know the swing pass out of the backfield, and he caught it, and they was he needed three yards, and there's nobody within five yards of him. You know, he's always compared to Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry would have accelerated, and he would at least run over those guys to get that first down. And it's a juke, 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 and he went nowhere, and he didn't even get the first down. It, it's getting to where. After he had his meeting last year with Jerome Bettis, and Jerome Bettis was talking about, well, if you're more patient, you could set up bigger runs. That worked for Bell, who who had, you know, just such, you know, Bell and Bettis had great feet. That's not Harris's game. 
when he jump cuts, when he stutters, he's he loses momentum and then he's not as effective. He I think he can still be successful, but he has to change his mentality. I think that having Warren play more, even start and see and get get this thing rolling, I think we'll see that even help Harris and and maybe make him realize what he needs to do to be successful. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think Najee is a flawed player right now. He, he is dancing too much. He does need to get more north and south. He's never been explosive. I don't think that's ever been his game. I think he's more agile than explosive. I, I thought one of the things that made Najee so effective was his ability to cut on a dime and just go. Um, and that's why I would like for him to, to just take a cut and boom. Yeah, and and barrel into guys. He's a big dude who falls forward a lot. Um, but I I also said this in regards to his decision making issues and his vision issues. Gifted lateral runners, they run laterally because mm. that's what they're good at. And Najee Harris was great in high school with that. He was great at Alabama by doing that. He could he had the talent to beat everyone he was facing because he is so quick laterally guys like him don't move that well um he he moves un- unbelievably in my opinion when he's cutting and just putting his foot in the ground and going with it um he just he just cuts on angles that are very rare for a guy that size mm-hmm. and so i would like to see him keep it in a box learn to run between the tackles more consistently trust your offensive line even if they're not good because trust me You'll find holes every now and then, like Jalen Warren does, and then Najee will look like a much more efficient running back. And so I think he can definitely take kind of aim at that. But until he figures that out, um, he's not going to be anything more than what he is right now. And and that's really, I think, the case here um, with Najee Harris is he's probably not fully healthy, and he's trying to do too much. But this was also an issue last year. It was an issue on his tape at Alabama. So if if he gets it in order, Najee Harris, if he is an efficient runner between the tackles, and this is really his biggest issue, if he's an efficient runner between the tackles, he will be a top 10 running back in the NFL. No questions asked. He's just got to learn how to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's going to be the big thing in his career. Is It it really is. It's going to decide if he's a bust or if he ends up being a future foundational piece for this team. Mm -hmm. All right, we're heading towards the end of our show, so I want to I want to get a prediction for the rest of the season. Uh, you can give me a range if you want, however, but but we normally call out the score for the next game and predict the result of the next game. But this is the bye week, so I want to look forward to the season. We're two and six now, right now. Uh, T.J. Watt's supposed to be coming back. Devontae Kazi coming back into the fold. A bye week for the Steelers to try and get their offense, maybe to a level that, you know, you could win a few close games here. Nick, where do you see the Steelers' record going the second half of this season? It's, it's not it's not a good schedule, guys. Um, it, it really isn't. I mean, yeah. look at the quarterbacks on their schedule. Andy Dalton. Uh, I mean, you saw what the, the Bengals look like without Jamar Chase. It doesn't look like he's going to he's gonna be suiting up for that game. You got Marcus Mariota, Sam Ehlinger. PJ Walker um, on that schedule. It's not really a good schedule. The Steelers, theoretically, there is not a game on the schedule they cannot win. I truly believe that. 
There's not a game on that schedule they can't win. There will be tough games, the Ravens, twice, but that's a rivalry, so you feel like you can always compete in that one. What about the Sean Watson-led Browns? That could also be a tough one, but again, I think the Steelers have the infrastructure to win that game. Um, it's a tough one. I think I truly believe this defense is going to be really, really good. Um, I think they're going to give teams fits. And it's not, again, it's not a good schedule. I, I also look at Kenny Pickett, and he he should get better. Like, that is what should happen. A rookie quarterback should improve. So if I'm projecting that, like, looking at the schedule, we sure they ain't going to finish, like, 8-9? and nine? I could see it. I could see it happening. That's my prediction. I think they're going to finish 8-9. and nine. And fans will hate it because they're going to end up in the middle of the draft again. But I don't think they're as bad as, as they've shown they are. I think T.J. Watt, if T.J. Watt plays the first half of the year, they're 5-3. and three. Yeah, I agree. Like, they're 5-3. and three. So I don't think they're that bad. Um, so I think they're going to finish eight and nine, and this is not a this is an easy back half of the schedule. So I think they're gonna they're gonna raise themselves up uh, to to the middle part of the draft. All right, Shannon, what do you think? I've Nick hadn't already said it that you know it, <laughs> they could easily win enough to just be mediocre again. And the way the NFL set up, if you're mediocre, you're going to stay mediocre unless you get lucky and hit on a generational talent or two uh, because you're not going to pick early enough in the rounds to get those guys usually. That's my concern is because I know that you want to win every game. Uh, I, I've been saying I'm not concerned about wins as much as I am sustainable growth, player development, improvement as they start this rebuild. Uh, I've said, you know, after you could tell they were going to go two and six, I said seven and 10, uh, because I think that, you know, and that is if Pickett can show that he's got an opportunity to maybe be the guy to lead this team into the future. And I'm hoping he will. And I think he can, but, uh, looking at the schedule, I, I could see seven wins. So I would say seven and ten. Okay, seven and ten. I'm, I'm gonna go. I, I've got to do. I, I'm gonna go six, two, and one. That's what they're doing the second half. Their team's gonna end up eight, eight, and one. Uh, <laughs> I, just good enough. Just good enough to give the uh, the Tomlin the five hundred record that people think he cares about, and people oh, are concerned yes. that the Steelers the Steelers <laughs> value so much. They're going to bounce back. They're going to give him a non-losing season, and it's going to drive people absolutely nuts, both for the draft and for the fact that everyone's going to be talking about, you know, the the non-losing season streak. Uh, so that's, that's my prediction. I, I, I think that every year. I think whenever the Steelers are really bad, I'm like, you know, they're still going to somehow pull this out. Uh, I, I just I just that's the Steelers. That's the Steelers, and like Nick said, this the, the quarterbacks on this schedule, they're not going to – if you've got a good enough quarterback and you've got good enough receivers, you're going to absolutely torch these defensive backs, the cornerbacks, uh, and, and that's not going to be – they're not going to be facing that. All right. That's, those are, that's, that's pretty much our show for tonight. Nick, let the people know where they can uh, read your stuff. You are all over the place talking Steelers, uh, doing a great job. 
uh, all your stuff's great content. So let everyone know where they can get a hold of that. Yeah, you could find my stuff on Twitter at Faraba FB. Read my stuff at Steelers Now, writing articles, balances, news, all of that good stuff. So make sure to check that all out. All right. Shannon, any articles you have coming out? No, just working on a couple of projects, but nothing yet. I know, I know Dave and I have a vertex I'm finishing mm-hmm. up tonight coming out on uh, AJ Brown and how the Steelers failed to deal with him and, and how they adapted, how they, the different things they tried. If you want to see uh, the problems in the Steelers secondary, AJ Brown really, really painted that picture well for us. He really mm-hmm. put it all on film to show for, for everyone to see what the Steelers problems in the secondary are. For everyone listening, thank you so much. For everyone in the in the live chat talking, thank you. We, I've been enjoying reading your comments. Uh, helps me pick my questions. We we value you guys every every week, even though we don't get to to bring you into the the actual show much. Nick, thank you so much, so much for coming on. Uh, if if you don't know, Nick Faribault used to write it behind the steel curtain before moving on. Uh, now he has locker room access. It's all kinds of stuff. It, it's great. He's 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 big time in it now, but he still comes back. Hangs out with all of us here. Thank you so much, Nick, uh, for coming back. Again, everyone, thank you for listening. Thank you for reading. Thank you for clicking over to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Thank you for listening to all of our podcasts. You can catch them all on, on whatever platform you listen to podcasts. Most of all, thank you so much. Have a great week. And as always, let's go Steelers.